in 1 Samuel, uh, the prophet of the time, he was called a seer. A seer. S-E-E-R. Seer. And the prophet Samuel was called by the Lord to go to the house of a man. His name was Yeshai. And for you English-speaking folks, that's Jesse. But in Hebrew, it's Yeshai. Have to translate so you don't keep going. I don't remember that from the Bible. Who's Yeshai? Was he shy? Yeshai? No, I'm not shy. I'm very extroverted. All right, I'm back. So the prophet went to Yeshai, anglicized to Jesse, because one of the sons of Yeshai was going to be the new, anointed by Samuel the seer, to be the new king of Israel. So Samuel the seer had the first son of Yeshai. I don't know if Yeshai just had boys or if he had daughters as well. I guess if he had daughter, a daughter, that would be Jesse's girl. Talk about stinking up the joint. All right. But if he didn't have a daughter, I bet he said, oh, I wish that I had. Never mind. Back to the message. So the first son of Yeshai goes before Samuel. And Samuel looks at him up and down and left and right and saw his stature, saw his height, saw his charisma, saw his machismo. And Samuel says he thought, surely the anointed of the Lord is before me. And wouldn't you know it, Samuel the seer had to be corrected by God to see properly. And the Lord said to Samuel, don't see the way man sees. Don't look at his height. Don't look at his stature. Don't look at his eloquence. Don't look at the way he carries himself. Man sees these things, seer. Man looks on the outside. But God looks at the heart. Even Samuel the seer needed a lesson in how to see properly. And we all need that lesson of how to see each other and see ourselves. Even David's father didn't see him properly because he didn't bring his youngest son David out to pass before Samuel. So then when all the sons passed before Samuel and God kept going, nope, uh uh-uh, nope, mm mm-mm, nope, no way, mm mm-mm, nope. Samuel said, what's going on? Who's left? And Yeshai said, well, I got another son. He's out there tending the sheep. It can't be him. And I think the same thing in spirit must have been said to Yeshai, to Jesse. Don't look at man like 
Men look at man. God looks at the outside. You just see your son as maybe a shepherd. You see your son as a little kid. But God looks at the heart. Even David's father didn't see what was in David that the Lord saw. And what I want you all to understand from the Holy Spirit today that you may see yourself one way, that your friends may see you one way, that people here may see you one way, that your parents may see you one way, that your husband may see you one way, that your wife may see you, well, the wives always see us correctly, so they always see right. Jesse saw a shepherd. Jesse saw a little boy. God saw an anointed king. And I'm here to tell you from the Holy Spirit that there is something within you that you don't even see that you don't even know is there. An ability, a capability, a calling, a purpose, a propensity that's within you that you don't see that nobody else sees. I am here to tell you today from the Holy Spirit that man will look at your, your fleshly accomplishments and define you as that. And you will look at your fleshly, manly accomplishments and define yourself as that. But I want to tell you, there's something within you that has nothing to do with your education level. There's something within you that has nothing to do with your lack of education. There's something within you that's even greater than the job you have. There's something greater than your unemployment. There's something within you that's greater if you define yourself as a healthy person or you define yourself as a sickly person or if other people see you as healthy or other people see you as sickly. There is something else within you that only God sees. The world sees what it can see, but God sees the unseen because it's not unseen to him. Do you know why it is not unseen to our father? Because he's the one that put it there in the beginning. He's the one who put it there in the beginning. He called David a king before the foundations of the world. He put royalty, anointed royalty within him. And nobody saw it. And I'm here to tell you that you may think you're something or you may think you're nothing. But God will separate all of that to extract what he put in you from the beginning. Which is above and beyond what even you think you're capable of. God called Jeremiah from before the foundations of the world, he said, before you were in the womb, I knew you and called you to be a prophet. 
And that's when Jeremiah was saying, similar to Moses, I don't know how to speak. Jeremiah saw himself in one way. He saw himself as young. He saw himself as a boy. He saw himself as not having the ability to speak. But God said, I called you a prophet before you were in the womb. What I put into you came even before you came into your mama. I was on a, in one of my very bored moments in the house. I went on to Siri and I said, I'm not going to say it because everybody's going to activate. H-E-Y space S-I-R-I comma. This is one of my bored moments. I don't know if anybody ever has a bored moment where you start to... Um, you start to go onto Google to look at things that really, like, why would you even want to know that? So one day, recently, I went onto Apple and I went H-E-Y comma S-I-R-I, and I'm not saying it because all your phones are going to light up. Yes. And I said, and I said, why do men have nipples? Oh, that's it. I said the nipple word. Now we got somebody leaving the congregation. That's it. I'm out of here. I know. I know. Shabbat Shalom, Michelle. So I went, hey, S-I-R-I. Why do men have nipples? And the answer was that the nipples... Seinfeld made nipple a funny word, by the way. Nipples are formed in the womb before the sex organs. So before, oh, calm down, people. So before we become male or female through our phys phys physiology, the nipples form. In other words, there's a, project, there's a progression of what gets formed in the womb. There's a progression. Some things get formed before other things. But before all of those things were formed, God put something within you. Come on, that's a hallelujah. God put something in you before anything was formed in you, in you when you were in your mother's womb. And that is what God wants to extract from each of you. Each of you is a David. Each of you is a Jeremiah. Each of you is a Moses. How does somebody who saw himself as a stutterer and a chicken coward go before Pharaoh? and say, let my people go. With man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. If you walk with the world, you will get a world's reward. 
if you walk with the world, what the world defines you as, that will be your reward. If you walk with the world and they see you as a mature person, that will be your reward. If you walk with the world and they see you as a hard worker, that will be your reward. If you walk with the world and they say you see you as a lazy person, that will be your reward. But with God, he extracts from all of that what he put in us in the beginning. How does a stuttering coward go before Pharaoh? It is with God. Because Moses saw himself as a stutterer, as somebody who wasn't eloquent. Moses saw himself as somebody that didn't speak well. Moses saw himself as somebody who wasn't eloquent or articulate. Moses saw himself as unqualified. Moses saw himself as not having the strength to do this. He didn't have the gifts and he didn't have the guts to go before Pharaoh. Moses saw himself one way. That's how he defined himself. His stepdad and his wife may, def may have defined him as a, a good family man. The, the Jews back in Egypt defined him as a murderer. Pharaoh defined him as a traitor. These are definitions that the world gives, that you give, but God looked at this man and said, this man is a deliverer. And this man is a teacher. A rabbi, Moshe Rabbeinu. Moses, our teacher. And how does the teacher get extracted from the timid? Through God. With God, all things are possible. Because for him, it's a no-brainer. Because he's the one who put that thing in there, the teacher into Moses from the beginning. Yeshua spoke about a parable about a man who, who discovered a treasure in a field. And it was a treasure. It was a treasure. He found something in the field that nobody else saw. That nobody else saw. Nobody else knew it was there. And the man found it and buried it again and sold everything he had to buy the field because of the treasure within it. Let's not waste any time in breaking down that parable. The field is you. The treasure is what God put in you since before the foundations of the world. The man that knows of the treasure and buried it is Yeshua. The man who sold everything to buy the field is Yeshua. Hello, he gave his life and you were bought with a cost. He purchased the field. Why did he purchase the field? Because he sees the treasure that's in it, that nobody saw. Everybody else saw the field, and what did they see in the field? They saw the rocks, they saw the weeds, they saw the location, they saw if it was on the bad side of the tracks or the good side of the tracks, they saw that if it was fertile or they saw if it was infertile, these are all things that man sees, even of you. Are you from the good side of the tracks? Are you from the bad side of the tracks? Are you from the wrong side of town? Do you have a lot of stony places within you or a little? Are you fertile? Are you infertile? These are things that man sees. These are things even that you see yourself as. But there's a treasure within you. 
and Yeshua sold everything he had. He gave his life to purchase you for that treasure. So how does that treasure get revealed? How does that beautiful, beautiful, real you, the real you, not the you that the world defines, but the real you, the you that was created before the foundations of the world, the real you, how does that get extracted? How does God extract it? Well, we can learn a little bit from how Moses calling, how Moses went from the coward to the deliverer, to the redeemer, how Moses went from the stutterer to the teacher. When Moses first went to Pharaoh, he didn't want to go. We know it, right? He didn't want to go. Every excuse in the book, right? Take somebody else. I'm not qualified for these 20 reasons. My mouth don't work right. And God said, who made the mouth? God put the words in your mouth. Don't you worry about that. But God is very, can be accommodating sometimes. God is not, he doesn't often take our insecurities and say, okay, fine, I'll give you a little crutch. But in this case, he gave Moses a little crutch. And the crutch was in his brother, Aaron. So one thing you may not realize when you watch movies like The Prince of Egypt, where it shows Moses in the first plagues, you know, putting the staff into the water, or waving his staff and having gnats come out of the ground, or waving his staff over the water and having frogs come out. What you don't realize, if you go back and read it, it wasn't Moses that did these things. It was the crutch. It was Aaron. God spoke to Moses, tell Aaron to wave your staff over the water and frogs will come out. God spoke to Moses and said, tell Aaron to wave your staff over the dust of the earth and it will turn into gnats. God spoke to Aaron, put your staff in the water and it will turn to blood. God allowed Aaron to do it because Moses wasn't at that level yet. But take a look at this Torah portion now that we're at the last three plagues and take a look at the last Torah portion with the latter plagues. God spoke to Moses and Aaron and said, take kiln from the oven and let Moses throw it in the air in front of Pharaoh. Next plague, tell Moses to wave over the land and locusts would come out. Tell Moses to lift up his hands to heaven and darkness will come down. Do you understand that Moses got his mojo? That Moses got his mojo through the progression of the plagues. As the plagues got more difficult and more difficult for Egypt, Moses found his boldness. So much so that when we see Moses go to Pharaoh at the end, it was a very different Moses. He wasn't taking any crap from Pharaoh anymore. Oh, you can just go, but you got to come back, or you can take the men, but don't take the women, or don't take the animals, or whatever it is. Moses like, no way. We're all going. Not one hoof will be left behind. 
Moses found his mojo through the plagues, which is tribulation. So you may think, and I want you to hear this, you may think you may be going through some tribulation in your life. You may, be think, you may think you're going through some trouble in your life. But what if these things are not just trouble or tribulation you're going through? This is God extracting who you really are. He's bringing the teacher in you. He's bringing the prophet from you. He's bringing the anointed king in you. He's bringing the redeemer in you. Because that treasure is in the field and it may be hidden by a whole lot of rocks. So you may not be going through tribulation. You may be going through a little excavation. (laughs) To excavate that treasure that is within you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So I don't want you to leave this place without knowing that you may see yourself as a sum of your good qualities plus a sum of your mistakes. You may see yourself as a sum of your accomplishments and a sum of your failures. You may see yourself, tell me about yourself. Tell me about yourself. Well, you may say, well, I got a master's degree in economics but I'm unemployed. Well, I read my Bible every day, but I still struggle with lust. Well, I'm a hard worker, but my marriage is in turmoil. God looks past all of that, and sees what he placed in you in the beginning. And when you are with God, with man it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. With God, with God, with God, with God, with God. He sees that, what he put in the beginning. And his purpose is to extract it out of you. And you are so much more than the sum of your mistakes and the sum of your accomplishments. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you? Lord, there is none like you. So you have to wonder sometimes, like I'm going through a lot of stuff or I'm walking in my purpose. We think we know what our purpose is. We think we know why God puts us here or there. You will find that God is extracting something out of you that you didn't even know it's there. And you know what he's extracting out of you? Who you really are. Who you really are in him. Your true identity as a son and daughter of God. And don't be surprised if it doesn't have anything to do with what you think your abilities are. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I don't want you to leave here 
without knowing that God sees the unseen. Man sees the seen, but God sees the unseen. There's a song that Sue and I love, and it's called There Are Mountains on the Ocean Floor by a Christian singer called, named Andrew Peterson. And it speaks about how life can be really difficult, but nothing ever seems to change. But miles away beneath the waves, mountains are coming up from the ocean floor. And they're rising, and they're rising, and they're rising. And it may be moving slowly, and nobody ever sees it, but God sees it. Only God sees it grow. Praise the Lord. And with each one of you, there is a mountain within you that is ready to explode. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Don't leave this place without knowing that what God sees in you is unseen, is a treasure that he planted from the beginning. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. And amen. In Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen.